I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan, and as usual, this week's podcast is ablaze with a weekend's worth of action. And joining me to break down the highs and the lows is G from Woe TV. Sac passe, Mike. What's going on? Sac passe. Yes. Is this Haitian? Yes, you're supposed to say not boule, meaning I'm burning up. Uh, not boule. Okay, you, you left go. to teach me some of this. You left to teach me some of this. I got not you. Not boule. Yep. If so, if a Haitian person says sac passe, you say not, not boule. boule. Yes. Mm. That's the automatic like aggressive response. like that. It, it sounds like I don't know. For, for some reason, I, I feel I've got to kind of man up and put bass in my you voice. You do. You do because it's kind of like I'm alright. How are you? You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, you're kind of livening me up right now because having like, you know, slaved over a barbecue for the last four hours, I feel about ready to turn in. I feel about ready just to go to my bed. Not only is the food knocked me out, I don't know about you, when I have hefty amounts of food, I'm ready for my bed. But I, I feel as though, you know, I feel quite righteous having having taken the food out of the packet and put it on the, put it on the barbecue. <laughs> you sound like a man that just cooked once in his life and now is ready to just never do it again for a whole year. So... <laughs> Sound, that, that, sound like a guy. That, 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 that might have actually gone over your head. I didn't even season it. It was already seasoned in the packet. It was already seasoned when I pulled it out of the container. Everything was done for me. All I had to do was to slap it on the barbecue. I'm still tired. Oh, Lord, I have no sympathy for you. Hopefully the food was delicious because I can't. Just- just don't grasp me up to a cheating vegan because when I posted the video, which some people might have seen on... Um, uh, Twitter earlier, mm-hmm. a lot of people might have thought, wow, that's well seasoned. Wow, that's really well nice and brown. That. That is- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was already done for me. All I had to do was peel the packet back and just pull out the chicken. Jeez. Well, shout out to whoever did the real work, Mike. All you did was just burn everything up. You know, so. <laughs> Job well done. <laughs> you know what? Teamwork makes the dream work, you know? Someone did the seasoning, I did the cooking. cooking. Come on now. Right. And uh, the person that did the seasoning is probably not as tired as you. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see <laughs> what happens. You? How, did you, how did you spend the day? Oh, I'm, I'm actually, I snuck into a library to do my uh, research paper that is due by midnight. And I haven't even started. So this is going to oh, wow. be my day. Yeah. You know? Wow. Well, we better crack on with this podcast then. Because this past weekend saw... UFC fight night, Brunson versus mm-hmm. Shabazian. But you know what? As well as that, mm-hmm. you probably would have seen on the timeline, the timeline was ablaze with, um, in the run-up to this Saturday, or this past Saturday, I should say, mm-hmm. Brave 37 in Sweden. Now, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't be able to tell you all now who the main event was because for me, the people's main event was our guest from last week, Mohamed Mokayev, who faced off against Glenn McVeigh. Now, for me, hats off to Brave 37 because not only did they manage to turn around an opponent, which I thought was a worthy opponent, they could have gone for somebody who was a scrub, they could have gone for somebody who was a walk in the park, but no, they didn't. They chose a test. They got Mm -hmm. somebody in there who would actually, you know, excuse me, 
push Mohammed uh, Mokayev. And um, even the build-up, even in the build-up, considering that this was from a standing start, there was beef from the off. I'm not sure if you saw the timeline and uh, the exchanges that were going backwards and forwards and what um, Mohammed was actually posting. Yeah, so they basically, from what I saw on your page, was that mm. it almost seemed personal. Like, they, every time they saw each other, they want, they had words. So I was like, wow, this is not only an intriguing matchup, it sounds a bit personal. And it's always good when fighters go in with just like maybe a little pissed off with their opponent. And it, it makes for yeah. a, a good story. And it also gives them added motivation, I think, sometimes. So I was happy to see that. But unfortunately, Mike, I did miss the results. So fill me in. What 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 do he do? How do he do? How do he look? Well, Mohamed Mokhaev did exceptionally well. It mm-hmm. was a three-round shutout. He basically went in there and dominated. Oh, Not right. only, you know, mm-hmm. did he piece him up on the feet, you know, he took him to town on the ground. Sorry, that wasn't really meant to, to rhyme. My <laughs> barring skills are pretty, pretty shit, if I'm <laughs> honest. But no, um, he, uh, hats off to Glenn. You know, mm-hmm. I, before I even go in on Mohamed and, um, you know, talk about his prowess and where I think he's going and um, the greatness and the heady heights where I think that he'll um, soar to. Hats off to Glenn McVeigh because A, he took a fight that nobody else wanted to take. So many people had been offered, so many people took the fight, so many people actually dropped out. As you would have probably recalled from um, the last interview um, where Mohamed Makayev joined us on the WOCast, this was a little bit of um, bittersweet for him in that it's great being signed, it's great being a big name, it's great coming in on all this hype, but what actually comes with it is dropouts, is pullouts, is people wasting your time. Now, Glenn McVeigh, hats off to him, as I mentioned, wasn't that type of guy. Not only had he been beefing for the last three years, mm. um, he was willing to actually step up to the plate on just, what, three, four days' notice. Now, mm-hmm. how it actually turned around for him wasn't too good. He was basically made to look as though he was ordinary. He was basically made to look as though he was a crash test dummy because having Mokhaev in there, you know, tore his ass up. And um, <laughs> I don't think it's... I'm not saying that to be mean-spirited because right. that exa- is exactly what happened. Yeah. Whilst he was in there, uh, Mokhaev not only was shit-talking to him, you know, he was he was basically gurning at the cameras, smiling at the cameras, no. giving the cameras the... Fu- yes! He the was taunting up. him. Yes! Not just taunting him, but just smiling at the cameras just and just posing. And just yeah. Yeah, putting on a real show. I foresee big things for him. And as I say, it's a shame that Brave actually um, went to town on the promotion in terms of Mohamed Makayev as the individual. Because, as I mentioned earlier, I, for one, couldn't tell you what the main event was, but he certainly was the people's main event. And again, hats off to Glenn McVeigh for stepping up. I'll be watching very closely Mohamed Makayev's uh, next steps and he will definitely be coming back on the show. He's got a really good energy about him and I know I know you, you, you can sense what's coming now. He's got the same sort of energy as Conor McGregor. There's something special about him. There is mm. something unique about him. There is something 
very, very um, compelling about that individual. But and You know what I uh, like and respect? Mm. I don't mean to cut you off real quick. I like Go. that he's taking his time before he comes over to the UFC. He's reminding yeah. me of Israel Adesanya, someone that is going to show up to the UFC with all the damn experience he needs. And he's going to show that just like Izzy did. Remember, everybody was like, oh, what? he doesn't have a ground game. When he fights Kelvin, Kelvin will expose that. Or the boxing of Kelvin. Oh, this, this, and that. Oh, Derek Brunson. And he smoked them all. And I I wonder if Muhammad, when he comes over, is he going to be like that with this record he has and now even more experience at Braves, you know, CF. So I look forward to his um, emergence in, in our favorite organization, the UFC. And I can see that coming and that will come um, at, at a time when he's ready. He's of the Jimmy Manuel mindset, I feel, in that I'm not going to rush my career. When I am ready... I will go to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind, you know, I should really emphasize this. That was his pro debut in Brave 37. Um, the fact of the matter is he's had 23 amateur fights. He's unbeaten at amateur. He's a two-time world champion at amateur level at the IMAFs. Now, I like the way that he's kind of like pushing things at his own pace and basically saying you know what when the UFC comes it will be at a time of my choosing I love that and I love that spirit but um, like you say he will definitely be there soon and I'm just glad it will be at a time of his choosing but speaking of the UFC UFC fight night Brunson versus Shabazian I think it's only right just to have a quick canter through the runners and riders and things which kind of float uh, our boat about the card having you know just uh, passed this this weekend and talk about pullouts and um uh, last minute pullouts as well i mean even at the 11th hour we saw you know people being stretched off i mean literally stretched I mean, off fainting. people fainting yeah fainting <laughs> um just before they were due to go out and um you know for me i don't want to say cursed card but I want to say, look, this is to be expected. This is being run. And I have to keep emphasizing this. This is being run in the middle of a pandemic. People yeah. seem to forget that we are still seeing bodies dropping. We are still in the midst of, um, well, countries now going into a second lockdown. I just saw there, I think it's either Australia or New Zealand, who have declared either a national emergency or a state emergency because the amount of people who are actually succumbing to this. And I I wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be shocked, I wouldn't be amazed if this comes to to London's door as well. And indeed in the States, considering how many people are actually dropping in Florida. But what I'm saying is this, mm-hmm. considering the odds that are stacked against the UFC, I'm not surprised that, you know, this is the state of play here. But in terms of runners and riders, in terms of things which actually um, caught my eye, one of the things which caught my eye was the devastating KO um, given out by Jonathan Martinez. Now, given that he was overweight and um, given, you know, at the Wayne's, you know, he 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 he, he oh, couldn't. Oh, he, he missed weight. weight. Yeah, oh, and he's abandoned weight. Mm. Um, you know, I still got to say hats off to that KO. It was devastating. I mean, it looked like that knee set that up, and then slam. I mean, you know, he 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 was all over Frankie uh, Sayans. I mean, that was my takeaway. That was my highlight from the prelims. In all honesty, how about yours? Um, it's so funny, Mike. I missed that fight, but when I turned on the TV, I was um 
privy to the knee that you described and then the, you know, murder she wrote <laughs> after the knee. Yeah. So yeah. I um, I missed the fight, so I can't really talk too much about what I saw because I didn't see what happened before then. But what I will say was that knockout was devastating. It was a mm. perfectly timed knee and the follow-up was pretty mean. And um, I was happy for him. It looked like a good win when I finally showed up. But I will say that Jamal Emmers versus uh, Vince Cachero, and I believe this was Vince's um, debut, and I believe he might have been a late uh, replacement. And speaking of late replacements, Mike, it's just something we got to get used to. I think with what's going on with the world and and COVID-19 and this pandemic, we got to get used to new faces people we don't know nothing about showing up from other organizations because the UFC, I'm sure, is heavily recruiting at a time where they need late replacements. And then secondly, you got to be prepared for what you see when you, you get a late replacement. They might be gas. They might go hard in the first round knowing they are going to gas. So it's like these are all things we need to get used to. So And it's all because of COVID-19. So get used to it, Mike. But Back to the prelim that caught my attention, Jamal Emers had a beautiful performance, Mike. If you go back and watch this fight, the knees to the Mm. clinch were absolutely terrifying. He used his range beautifully, and he just literally came out for a well-rounded, perfect fight against a late replacement newcomer, and I was thoroughly impressed. And now Jamal Emers is on my uh, radar as far as prelims or whatever bouts they're going to give him in featherweight. Excuse me. And I want to see where he goes from here, because uh, after yeah. that fight, I'm intrigued. Well, what's your take then? I, I noticed you. <laughs> Excuse me, Mike. You, you may have. Um, yeah, my throat is getting kind yeah. of dry as well. Exactly. I'm gonna drink some water before I mess up this whole broadcast. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I noticed you. You skipped over it. Okay, we touched on it slightly, but what's your take? What's your mercy on um, missing weight, considering we are in the midst of a pandemic? I think exceptions need to be made. You know, I still think they need to be fined or whatnot, or we still follow the same rules. But not mm. that, let me take that back. Not that exceptions need to be made. We need to be ready for it. If people are going to take late replacement fights during a time when gyms are not open and you got to create your own or you got to deal with the obstacles of working out during a pandemic, yeah, you have to expect these types of things. And you have to take into consideration that we are not living normally right now from me and you to the fighters. If if you're sheltered in place or if you can't go to the gym, can you imagine if you're a professional athlete? And mm-hmm. here's another thing, fight fans. I do not watch other sports, but from what I'm hearing, Mike, I don't know if you know this because you're, you know, you're from the UK. Baseball is, is handling MLB. Baseball is handling the pandemic and COVID and trying to get back on track horribly. They have teams. Really? Yes. They have teams testing for COVID so rapidly that teams are like, oh, we're not playing this season. It's, it's utterly amazing. And they're not following suit of UFC's protocols either. And what I mean right. by that is that the MLB does not have, like, two centralized locations. The key mm. to keeping pe- athletes safe, safe from COVID is what I'm noticing is that you have to centralize the fights and where you're keeping them and isolate them. And I don't think right. MLB has done that. For instance, the UFC has um, Vegas Apex, and they have Fight Island and Abu Dhabi. You've got your mm. international fighters. You've got your fighters in the States. And you just keep those places secluded, isolated, and that's it. That way you have everybody traveling from one place to, you know, just two places. That's it. And other sports have not maintained that yet, and they're still learning. So folks need to realize, even though the UFC is doing a kick-ass job with it, 
Mm-hmm. Expect mistakes. Expect more positive test results. Expect late replacements. Expect new faces. I didn't know. I Sometimes I'm like, who is he fighting? Okay, let me hit up Sherdog and find out who this person is, you know? So get used to it, Mike, is what I'm saying. So how forgiving are you on slip-ups, though? Because if we just cast our mind back to Fight Island, you'll know yourself that the whole reason for Fight Island was that they created a bubble, they created a safe zone, they basically mm-hmm. created sanitized conditions so that once you're in, there's no going out. Now, of the safe zones that had been created in um, or on Fight Island. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but um, they filmed, and that is Dana, um, Michael Bisping, Mm -hmm. and Matt Sarah, they filmed looking forward to a fight. That meant that they went outside of the safe zone, outside of the sanitized area. Now, bearing in mind that the protocol is supposed to be once you're out, you're not coming back in again. They came back in. After filming that, after mixing with people outside of the sanitized stroke safe zone, so what, what's what's your how forgiving are you for that slip up in terms of protocol? I'm not forgiving of that at all, and honestly, it just depends who's leaving <laughs> the the safe zones and coming back. I think whoever films, you know, looking for a fight is in good with Dana because that's a show basically around him and his shenanigans. So if that show needs to be filmed and people need to leave, they will make that exception. However, um, I had checked the blogs and apparently Edward Herman was going to replace. Let me check. the. He was going to replace Trevin Giles for the middleweight bout. But come to find out when his fight got canceled because his opponent Meerschat tested for COVID. My man yeah. hit the bar. He broke isolation. And then mm. he came back from the bar and was like, oh, I can fill in for Kevin? And the UFC was like, not now. You left the bar. You broke protocol. So they are handling wow. that properly. Yep. But no, at- but, but, but that, there's a contradiction there. I know it's Dana White, mm-hmm. but he himself has broken protocol by leaving the sanitized stroke safe zone. Yep. Michael Bisping, uh, a commentator, Mm -hmm. left the safe zone, went back in. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, how forgiving are you when it's someone like Dana, who's literally, you know, CEO, um, chief bottle washer and, you know, head honcho. And Michael Bisping, Bisping, who is is one of the commentators. Yeah, I just think um, that's more important for them to leave the safe zone rather than Ed Herman, who could have saved the fight. And to be honest with you, Mike, I'm going to mind my business because that virus doesn't care who leaves the island and, and, yeah. and, and catches it. You cannot politicize or play favorites with a virus. You just can't. So if they want to leave the safe zones and come back and then spread COVID, they'll, yeah. have, they'll have a issue on their hand because that virus doesn't give a fuck. But apparently mm. they did the right thing when Ed Herman came back from the bar and he wanted to fill in for Kevin Holland. Yeah. And they said yeah. no. And rightfully so. We don't know who we was. And, and it's a bar. Bars are places where COVID is good for brewing, you know. So rightfully so, they stopped him. And I agree with that. But mm. you, I don't really think you can say shit about Dana, the head of the company, doing that. And then Dana's <laughs> hella arrogant with the COVID testing. Like, he's just like, he always talks about how many times he's been tested. So I think the more you test, you know, important people like that, the more bolstered they feel leaving and they feel safe. Remember, mm. not too long ago, Dana was... Um, the media found out Dana didn't want to wear a mask and didn't he watch a fight in his room 
That's know? right. But yeah. even now, he's not wearing a mask. Yeah. He's, he's, he's cage side, not wearing a mask. Because he, in his mind, and I've heard him and Joe Rogan boast about this, is that because they're constantly being tested, they don't feel the need to social distance and wear masks in that environment because everybody walking around has been tested. But what they're not thinking example. about, it, it's one, it sets a bad example because you're influential and you're role models. And there are people looking at you like if Dana doesn't wear it. I don't know why these people are looking at him for this, but there are people <laughs> that are looking at him like this, like Dana doesn't wear it, Joe doesn't, and I'm not. So one, yeah. they should take responsibility for that during a pandemic. And secondly, they're also being hella ignorant and ignoring science because there are plenty of false negatives out there. So mm. all y'all can get tested and then you go mingle with someone that you think is negative and yeah. now you got COVID and then you bring it back to the fighters and maybe a fighter who has someone immune compromised. That's how this virus works. Hmm. But I mind my business. Wow. I social distance, wear my mask and watch these fights at home. So I'm going <laughs> to shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> yeah. But speaking of... Uh Getting back on track. Um, let's get back on track and look yeah, yeah. at um, UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Shabazian. I'm going to fast forward now mm -hmm. to the main card. And um, notable for me was uh, Scotland's own Joanne Calderwood um, going up against Jennifer Meyer. Now, that win via armbar broke my heart. It broke my heart oh, for two man. reasons. One, because I'm biased. Looking at Joanne Calderwood from Scotland, I was well behind her. But two, this was something which she took in basically replacing a title shot. Now, that title shot is basically dancing off into the distance and it will be Jennifer Meyer now who'll be slotted into that. I mean, that was a vicious, vicious armbar. Now, for me, I don't know how, you know, um, things are fixed with Joanne Calderwood financially, but it must be desperate times. That means that it takes desperate measures that she take effectively a short notice fight when you think about it mm -hmm. in the scheme of things. Um, and basically pass up a title shot opportunity. I was devastated, I've got to admit. Yeah, I mean, they said she wanted to stay active. And also, I think she wanted to show them that she was thirsty for the title shot as well by, mm. by risking it. You know, I think that's like man. a company man type of move, believe it or not. Mm. I, I think I do. I firmly believe that is a passive aggressive way of kissing ass by taking that fight. <laughs> and wow. And and. and I'm using slang. I don't mean it like in that way. I mean it like <laughs> more like company man-ish. You know what I'm saying? But you know I speak in yeah. slang, so I come off harsh. Um, and then secondly, we don't know her business. Perhaps she needed a paycheck. Man, this pandemic, yeah. people need money. Yeah. This is how she makes a living. Mm. Uh, some people cannot afford to be like, I'm going to wait till COVID is over. Or I'm going to sit out my title shot. I'm going to sit out for my title shot. You find that a lot of people that do that can do that. Yeah. So we don't know what's going on in, in her world. So You know, we've got a little bit of a hint as to what's going on in her world. This yeah. isn't the first time that we've had hints of financial strife. There you go. Remember, it wasn't so long ago that she was saying, she was complaining on Twitter about, you know, how much she was being paid and the fact that, you know, she was being invited out to, for things and she had to pay, you know, some of... Um, what she would expect the company to pick up. So, like I say, you're, you're, you're bang on there probably when you're talking about financial situations and financial hardship. Perhaps that is why she took the fight. 
Yeah, I think I think fans sometimes need to dig deep and humanize these fighters that we love so much and try to think yeah. of them as the same person that you are, except that they fight for a living. You get up and do whatever you do for a living, and they get up and fight. That's the only difference between them and us is a lifestyle. It doesn't mean mortgages don't have to be paid and kids need to go to college and p- the lights need to keep on. It's like, I don't understand. And she's also not um, Valentina Shevchenko. She's not making championship money, so... I'm not going to judge her for doing this. I do yeah. think she should have waited out, but I don't know her business. So, you know, hats off to her for the valiant effort. But I will say this, Mike. Mm-hmm. I should have picked Jennifer Maya. I was biased like you. I kind of like JoJo and those teep kicks. But in, yeah. the, in the back of my mind, I was like, if Jennifer Maya stays in her face and outworks her, she's going to win. And the reason why I said that is because... Jo- Joanne Calderwood has a nice steady pace. She keeps people on the outside with the teep kick. She comes in and, yeah. s- and hits you, and she stays at a very steady volume. But if you stay in her face, you can fluster her. And Caitlin Chikagan stayed in her face and did that, and, and Joanne almost was like fighting her underwater. And I felt like we were getting a repeat of that. Once you're aggressive and, s- and stay in her face and outwork her, you can beat her. But what I didn't see was that beautiful arm bar and that transition. I didn't see that coming. And I think we all need to respect this woman's black belt in jujitsu after seeing that is uh, true. an arm bar like that. Yeah, you got to respect it. You definitely got to respect it. Yeah, I, I didn't Speaking see it coming. Of, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Speaking of respect, though, going on to the main event, you know, Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian. I don't wait a think minute, Mike. That, mm. Don't you dare slide on Go. down to Lando Venata versus Bobby. Okay. Green. Yeah. Love Let me that. tell you that fight was a dream come true and oh god i loved every second of it mm. and let me just tell you bobby green put on a hell of a performance so did lando but let me tell you bobby green's boxing was superb yeah that jab that was coming out of nowhere and not only that bobby green was just ahead of him in every facet of the game when they went on the ground he was getting in the better positions when they were standing, he was outworking him. He was he was out of there before Lando could hit him. And here's the most important thing about Bobby Green. His accuracy is incredible. Lando mm. was missing and throwing some hard shots. And when he landed, yeah, he got he hit him, he got him. But Bobby Green was so accurate, it was scary. And that's why he took off with this with this win. And I enjoyed the fight from start to finish. What did you, did you notice? It? I loved it. Did mm-hmm. you notice how Bobby Green was almost at every single second just wrecking Lando Venato's um, Lando Venato's um, timing? Mm-hmm. Everything it he seemed like he him. was a second ahead. Yeah, always. And he fought like it. It was like he was in the future, and Lando, like you know what I mean? Like it was just yes. like he could see what was coming, and he responded mm. to it, and then he countered. Or he was keeping him at the end of his jab when he was coming forward. And then the jab, the commentators also made notice of this. Like, his hands are low. And then he shoots out the jab, and you don't even know what's coming. Yeah. You know? And then it it was just a beautiful performance. And I loved the first fight. And they did it again in the second fight. And I tweeted Mm. that they're just simply compatible in the cage. They're two people that whenever they fight... Because of their skill set, where they are in the rankings and how they fight, they're always going to put on a show. They bring the best out of each other is what I think is going on here. If they 100%. if they do this fight again, I'm watching it again. You know, like, I don't care. They can I'm, rebook I'm, I'm, this. I'm, am I getting my wires crossed? Did they get fight of the night for that? Or or did they miss them with the fight of the night? No, they got fight of the night. Right, the okay. F- they got fight of the night, but 
Derek Brunson did not. But, you know, when we right. get there, we'll discuss it. Right. Okay, <laughs> which we're at now. You Good. know, for me... Dick Brunson, people need to put some respect on his name. Now, I hear, yes. you know, Edmund Shabazzian is coming on this um, or coming or coming into this on a, on a trail of um, and, a, and a blaze of glory. And, um, you know, coming in, being backed by Rousey and, you know, uh, under the tutelage of um, uh, Edmund uh, Shabazzian or Shabazzian, Tavedian. Um, for me, uh, I was always like, hold on a minute, who's the more experienced here? Who has the more mileage in terms of um, fight IQ? Who has the more mileage in terms of um, being war-ready? I would say Derek Brunson each and every time. And Derek Brunson taught Edmund Shabazzin, I think, uh, a real early lesson. Never underestimate your your opponent. And um, always be ready to be surprised because that was, for me... A perfect performance there, especially like I, I, I can't believe that we are here again. But second round, towards the end of the second oh round, my God. it looked like those elbows or that elbow actually had uh, Edmund out. And where was Herb Dean? Herb Dean was um, thinking about the gas that he'd left on again. Unless it's just me. Am I being harsh? Am I just riding off the, a wave of recent? You know, fuck ups by um, Herb <laughs> Dean. I, I just, I'm trying to think. Maybe I'm at fault here, and I need to be more respectful of where Herb Dean's eyes are and his vantage point. But for me, I saw Edmund almost out, and um, I would have called that fight there and then. But you know, that's why I'm an armchair critic, and I'm not a, a not not a um, referee. I mean, what, what was your take on that? End of round two. End of round two had me thinking he should have called off the fight. And I'm trying really hard not to say to myself, you're ups- you're, you honestly believe the fight should have been stopped and you're not thinking yeah. about his past mistakes. But then that's when I'm like, why aren't we taking into consideration the totality of the circumstances? I found a highlight reel on Twitter of uh, late stoppages by Herb Dean. And in my mind, I'm like, if you can comp, if you can make a compilation of your mistakes, that's mm. bad. Do you understand? Like the reason why we can have this argument or the discussion is because his legacy is stained with what we're talking about <laughs> right now. <laughs> My yeah. God, last fight card, there were two fights where people were like, "Come on, man, stop the fight!" And then by the time he did it the second time, Dan Hardy got up and almost kicked his ass. And then yeah. now here we are, round two comes along. Why didn't he stop the fight? Edmund Shabazian looked like he had nothing in him. I don't care if he was intelligently defending. You could see that he was done. Those elbows were straight to his face. Flush. He looked terrible. And then then did, did Herb wave off the fight or the round? What are you doing, Herb? What's going on? And then here's my thing. Everyone was like, he did a good job because he quickly stopped it in the third round. If he would have stopped it in the second round, he wouldn't need to have stopped it in the third round because clearly Edmund had nothing to give. That's why in the beginning of the third round, Herb stopped it so quickly. But Herb, why not stop it in the second round? Why did you let him come off the stool and fight and then look how quickly he had to shut it down? That was indicative to me that it was over in the second. It's not like he sat in his corner, got his breath, and then when he came out, he had like a second win. I'd have been like, ooh, Herb made a good decision. Edmund is, you know, he's he's got the 
the stars are off his head, the birds and stuff. He's clear-headed, and he's he's giving it a last go in the third round. No, he came mm-hmm. out defeated, and he got lumped up, and, and Herb came out. That fight should have been stopped in the second round. And I'm taking into totality of the circumstances that every goddamn week we're talking about this with one particular ref, Herb Dean. And then on top of it, you can pull up fight after fight after fight of of him doing this and us arguing about it online. After a while, you got to be like, is there a problem with this ref? It's happening too many times. Even if even if yesterday's stoppage was okay, but the fact yeah. that we're debating it again with a with a ref that has a history of this is a red flag to me. Like, shouldn't he just be on point now after the whole Dan Hardy thing? What is he doing? And then when but do we see, hold him accountable? But you see, that's why I wanted to go back to what I said on the last episode, or was it the last episode before that in that we're not talking about a Johnny come lately we're talking about someone who has fought himself we're also talking about someone who has been in the game been doing this since Adam was a boy so this isn't somebody who doesn't know what he's doing but he's acting like somebody who doesn't know what he's doing he makes a lot of mistakes yes But, you know, Mike, we could um, we'll we'll discuss this more probably with the listener questions. I know some folks wanted our takes on Herb Dean and and, and like more detailed as if what should happen and what should we do. So I don't want to steal that thunder. So let me just go back to their performance. Mm. I, I wholeheartedly regret not picking Derek Brunson because it's so funny on Twitter I I, uh, I actually tweeted his path to victory and still picked Edmund and then I watched the fight <laughs> and he did exactly what I said and everyone in the morning yeah. was like good job G but I don't know why you didn't pick him when you said this would happen <laughs> and <laughs> it's exactly what happened Mike um, mm. he came out there he used his wrestling defensively offensively he paced himself he didn't wear himself out if you notice old Derek Brunson comes right out in the first round with his chin up and he goes after you and people like Mm -hmm. Whitaker know exactly what to do and you'll see him you know at the end of a horrific KO which is what influenced us not to pick him because when he does get knocked out it's ugly you know what I mean so take that into consideration Derek goes back to the to the drawing board changes up how he fights he's more patient you see it when he fights in her something Ian I forget his last name but in his last fight he fought Ian from the contender series and he fought well measured composed Mm. defensive wrestling offensive wrestling and he's countering a bit more and he's patient and then finally instead of bum rushing someone in the first round he waits until there's an opening and you saw that in the second round when Herb was like nah we gonna send Edmund back in there Derek said no problem now I'm going back to old Derek I'm gonna kill him and the, and the bell rang, and he went straight <laughs> for him. That's old Derek, but he knows now when to activate old Derek. And I love mm. it, and I should have not, I should have picked him. He did exactly what I said I thought he would do. And again, Mike, here's another thing. Pay attention to body language and how the fighters are as they walk out and as their names are being called. Edmund looked nervous, and Derek looked measured, calm, and collective from the time he walked out until the fight started. And meanwhile, Edmund, I, I wonder if the pressure of being his protege and all that hype, I wonder if that got to him. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you're looking at, in Derek Brunson, a wily veteran in comparison to this young upstart who, you know, right. as you say, is going in there, not just with the pressure of where he's coming from on his shoulders, who he's coming with on his shoulders, but also, you know, the expectation to perform because of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And I, I just, 
you know, that's veteran experience, what you just described. And then you got this kid that, yeah, he's he's 11-0. and 0. He's got some really good experience now in the UFC, so let's give him a wrestler. Yeah. And I also, let's also discuss the blueprint in his loss to Derek Brunson was already in the fight against Darren Stewart. Darren Stewart True. wore his ass out in the third round. Why? Because Edmund Shabazian was worn out by the wrestle. He tried to wrestle Darren because we all know that Darren lacks a little bit in that department. So the game plan in that fight was Edmund was going to wrestle him and mix it up with striking, which he did beautifully, but he doesn't have the gas tank for it. I'm pretty sure Derek's team saw the same thing that I saw and was like, we can manipulate that and expose that, and that's what we saw. The blueprint was in the fight with Darren Stewart. Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, but so. otherwise, otherwise, my good fight. And also, to mm. let me give um, you know, we always talk about the winner. We never really give props to the to the loser, especially if they lose in devastating fashion. Kind of like Edmund, it was pretty bad. Um, mm. you know, he got grounded out, <laughs> and he should have. It should have been stopped in in the, the second round, and he still got beat round. up. But yeah. um, I did like Edmund's striking in the in the in the beginning of the first round. He was aggressive. Yeah. he was yeah. accurate. That was like the. The theme of the of the fight card, quite as kept. Fighters that were accurate were landing flush and beautifully last night, and Edmund was one of them. But he did mm. seem, he was aggressive, but he wasn't confident. It was weird. It's weird to call someone aggressive, but also you can see that they're not confident. And that's what made me think, like, I think all that UFC promotion, Ronda's protege, all those fucking commercials and all that talk and him, <laughs> him jump roping with her when he was nine. I think it, it got to him. That's too much for somebody that's 11 and 0 and hanging out with Ronda Rousey. It's too, and yeah. the UFC spent way too much time promoting, promoting him. him. Promote yep. both. You know, if you're going to have him as the Ronda's protege, at least promote Derek as the guy that could destroy Ronda's protege. They ignored yeah, him. Yeah, but come on. Come on. The storyline was with Shabazian. The expectation was with Shabazian because of, again, all of this kind of narrative pointed to lineage. It pointed to um, protege. It pointed to someone who they wanted to shoehorn into their new superstar status. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. But I just think sometimes the UFC misses the ball with stars sometimes. Yeah. You know, I get that they wanted to promote him, and I probably would have too, but you got to, I don't know. I think the UFC needs a plan B. When you put all a prom- all your promotional tools, money, and effort into the fighter that loses, what's the game plan for that afterwards? For example, Darren Till and Woodley. I swear to God, it was like Darren Till was the champion and Liverpool was on his back. Meanwhile, he was some contender that didn't even deserve to be there and got smoked the minute he was, he was let out the cage and, and, and was facing Woodley. And, but the UFC had a UFC countdown that was so dramatic and it made me yeah. want to be like I was I wanted to be from Liverpool for the first time in my life watching that like <laughs> I got chills in Brooklyn like I was from Liverpool and had that accent mm-hmm. and then I remember being like wait a minute he's not even the goddamn champ why does he have all this promotion so what happens when the UFC does that and that person fails miserably and now that's a waste of promotion what do you do with the guy that smoked that person well I'll tell you Mike what they did to Derek they didn't give him a, <laughs> a bonus for killing their star <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I look forward to like a plan B or maybe it never happens. But it's like, let's give the guys you don't promote a push afterwards or something. Just mm. something or give them a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Be 100%. Fair. Yeah. Now, I understand there are some uh, listener questions. Mm. As in, I know that we've received some in electronic form and that is voice 
questions. But whilst I'm setting that up, why don't you run through, I don't know, one or even two um, um, questions that we had via Twitter? Okay, perfect. I actually have one in front of me. It's a random question, but let's do it. it this is from Justin Carter, great follow. He says, what is the thing that separates awesome knockouts from knockouts that make you uncomfortable or even kind of sad? Um, I can answer that one while you think of your response. you mind if I go first? Yeah, go for it. I cannot stand when fighters appear to be very injured in a fight. And the examples that I can think of is when Jessica I got smoked and they they literally couldn't even scrape her body off the floor for so long that the cameras had to like pan out to the crowd, to the coaches, because she was just, she would almost appear to be hurt very badly and that kind of made me like nervous. And secondly, I cannot stand when a fighter gets knocked out and they get knocked out on the feet, and then they hit the back of their head like a basketball on the floor. Yeah, i.e., yeah. Darren Till, Masvidal. That mm, immediately. Jimmy Manuel comes to mind yes, as well. Yes, Jimmy Manuel and um, Rakovic. Is that correct? Yeah, wreckage. Wreckage. Yes, yeah. that was a scary one. Listen, Mike, I'm at home seeing basketballs bounce off the floor. You know, seeing fighters' heads bounce off the floor like that. Mm. I have no connection to them. I am not Jimmy Manoa's wife. I am not dating Darren Till. I cannot imagine what family and friends and people that actually love and know these people feel when they see that. And that also makes Mm. me uncomfortable. Perhaps I'm an empath, but that also makes me immediately think of their family. Because don't forget, Jimmy Manoa had his children in attendance and kissed them on the way. To the, yeah. to the crowd, to the cage, and then ultimately got his head bounced off the floor, very violent in nature, and his kids were there, and that bothered me. Those knockouts, although they're beautiful to see and they're good for the division or drama, but I don't like to see that. What about yeah. you, Mike? Can you think of one? Oh, yeah. Uh, I can think of a couple. I mean, Francisco Trinaldo and uh, Jai Herbert. I hate seeing a crisp KO, which is beautiful. And, you know, that in itself is an intricate art to switch someone's lights out. But then to be invited or even to follow up just in your own volition, I think that's kind of ugly. And it it makes it 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 makes the KO repulsive. Do you know what I mean? In one moment, you're looking at the beautiful art of actually defeating an, an opponent by you know, what is essentially quite difficult to do. I mean, to hit someone's sweet spot and to hit them in the exact position that switches their lights out is difficult. Yeah. And similarly, you know, that is a recent one that springs to mind. But, you know, some something like the Bisping Henderson knockout. Now, that in itself, beautiful knockout. Mike Bisping was definitely out on his feet. But then to follow it up with an H-bomb, and that was uninvited. You could see that Bisping was out. Now, albeit I know that there was um, massive bad blood in the build-up. I know that there was, you know, genuine hatred there, which even continues today. If you've seen yep. the recent, I've seen the tweets. Yep. <laughs> but what what really makes it um, ugly is when unnecessary punches are followed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's why people get like me get and Dan Hardy get so upset with Herb Dean to watch those yeah. shots when you're at home or you're broadcasting and you see somebody that is out or like they don't need any more. Mm. And then let's not act like headshots are just something we can just shrug off. We all know what happens when fighters 
get hit in the head a lot. So should yeah. we be protecting them from unnecessary damage instead of saying, I'm kind of getting sick of this narrative too, like let the fighters fight, give them a chance to fight. That's not that's not the referee's job. The referee's job actually is to like to protect them. Of course they're going to fight. That's what they got paid to do. The referee's job is to make sure they don't take unnecessary damage. And yeah. a lot of times we don't see that. And I'm sorry, yes. hate to point the finger at Er, but aren't we always talking about that <laughs> with him? You know, it's like true. it's Mike, I'm just one of those people. If you keep if you keep calling something, if you keep, what's that saying? If you keep calling a chicken something, it's a chicken. You know you know what the saying I'm trying to say? Like, if we keep bringing this up, after a while, don't we have to look at Herb Dean? We're arguing about this every week. Yeah. It's yeah, us it's or him. I don't know. But anyway, you got uh, um, an audio question or do you need more I from have. me? Okay. Let's, let's segue into the audio right now. What's up, G? What's up? Let's try that again. I think that a lot of people have been very trigger happy, even everyone from the commentators to people tweeting in on the broadcast to say, oh, hey, this fighter is losing. Their corner should just absolutely call it because there's no way that they're going to win. And I don't think that a fight should be called just because a fighter is losing. I think a fight needs to be, um, you know, a fighter has to be taking extreme damage in order for it to be called. And I think that anything else to say like, oh, he's losing, you should call the fight. is just another way to say, hey, this guy should just give up. And that's, you know, ridiculous as a competitor, as a fighter. Um, and I just want to know what you guys thoughts are on that. Okay, oh, I said I was right, ready. Girl. I yeah, I obviously wasn't ready. Right, girl. Um, I'm gonna give her a second bite of the cherry, and uh, we'll be able to hear this from the beginning. What's up, G? What's up, Mike? Right, girl here. So my question for you guys is around fights getting called in between rounds. I think that a lot of people have been very trigger happy, even everyone from the commentators to people tweeting in on the broadcast to say, oh, hey, this fighter is losing. Their corner should just absolutely call it because there's no way that they're going to win. And I don't think that a fight should be called just because a fighter is losing. I think a fight needs to be, um, you know, a fighter has to be taking extreme damage in order for it to be called and I think that anything else to say like oh he's losing you should call the fight is just another way to say hey this guy should just give up and that's you know ridiculous as a competitor as a fighter um, and I just want to know what you guys thoughts are on that wow Mike you want to take this one first or you want me to? yeah in, in all honesty I mean I can see where she's coming from in that you know in in calling the fight um, you know ultimately um, let's see how it plays out. But, you know, ultimately, <laughs> of late, we've been right. that These fights that we have been ultimately calling have panned out exactly how um, we have predicted that they would. I mean, let's just take, for example, okay, the, the fresh example right now, Shabazian Brunson. Mm -hmm. Everybody was saying, look, the, the fight is done. The fight is dead. The fight should have been called off. Herb should have stepped in and done his thing. So... That, I don't think, is, is a bad call. And invariably, I hear where she's coming from in that we're just fans. But, you know, I would say the majority of the times we're calling it right. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think fans that are 
calling for the ref to stop the fight because they're losing maybe need to watch another sport. They sound like the fans that want knee stomps, man. Like, y'all too soft for this shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, knee, uh, what's it, when you kick the knee, I forget the technical term for it, but you guys know what I mean. Like, I think that debate is absurd. I tweet about that a lot. And I do not think a fight should be stopped because they're losing. We've seen mismatches. We've seen people get beat up. My thing is this. Call the fight when the fighter quits. Call the fight when Mm. he's no longer intelligently defending himself. Call the fight when he has no more left in him, which is what we saw with Edmund Shabazian. Because people were like, Gina, he got up so quick afterwards. You would, too, if you wanted to save the fight. Doesn't mean you're ready to fight. Doesn't mean you have it in you to fight. Edmund got up because it's, one, you don't want to look like you quit. Two, you want to keep fighting. That's what fighters do. They're too tough for their own fucking good. So, of course, he got up quickly and played it off. But, y'all, when he went to the corner and his coaches were like, are you good? Are you good? He didn't answer. And then when he came out, Brunson killed him immediately. That, to me, Mm. shows that the fight should have been stopped in the second. And that is when I need corners to throw in the towel or for referees to kind of look at him and be like, I'm not with this. You have nothing to offer in the third. Cut it. Do I think that's a hard decision for Herb Dean? Yes. And I understand that some folks agree with his decision. That is hit that that was not as egregious as some other Herb Dean stuff, but I'm at a point where I'm done. I'm tired. Like just do the <laughs> shit right, bro. But I agree with Riot Girl. There are times when I'm like, why did you stop the fight? Or like why are fans complaining? She's losing. And and fans, too, need to realize when you lose a fight, sometimes in really dramatic fashion, you get better. You have a lot of things to fix and you work on it and it becomes the new focus. And then sometimes just getting your ass kicked can make for a better fighter. So, mm. you know, look out for unnecessary damage. Look out for the fighter that has it, doesn't have, an in, have it in him or the fighter that wants to quit. But just calling a fight because somebody's losing, to me, that's that yep. snowflake Soft ass new fan that's only been watching for two years. I ain't got time for I'm that with shit. you. Yeah, I ain't got 100%. time. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Right, girl. Is this one of your homies? I come. Uh, yes. I've never come across her before. Cause right, girl's too busy online talking about MMA. She ain't got time for you, Mike. She knows her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> she knows her stuff, and she's very very sensible. If I was you, I would follow her. And she's pretty funny. Oh, okay. What's what what's uh what's her uh, Twitter handle? How can how can I get? Uh, following Riot Girl. Let me see. When um, if I I don't have it in front of me right now, but I'll shoot it yeah, to you send in your it to DMs. Me. And also, too, mm. shout out to Riot Girl. She had a funny retweet yesterday. Yesterday, she quietly retweeted this after um, JoJo lost. Y'all gonna learn to stop. Um, <laughs> y'all gonna learn to wait for title shots. Spoken like a true, <laughs> spoken like a wow. true black auntie. Just y'all gonna learn. Y'all gonna learn to wow. wait for title shots. So you can see that Riot Girl thought that JoJo should have waited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was hilarious. I cracked up because the timing of it was right after she lost. So I was like, oh, right, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of JoJo, we've got um, our man Aaron Jackson, who just from the title of this file, I've not actually listened to this, um, does sound like he's got a point around JoJo Calderwood. Oh, okay. Coming to you now. Gina, Mike. It is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. And I want to get your guys' take on something. Joanne Calderwood did not have to take this fight. Here we go. But she did have to take the fight. Financially. She was already... uh, She'd already earned a title shot. And could have waited it out. 
but people forget she last fought in September uh, of 2019. So she was waiting a long time for her title shot already because it took a while to get announced and then the champ got injured and so she's been on the sidelines. What do you guys think about this? Should the UFC have paid her to sit out rather than making her fight someone in order to earn a decent living? You know, if we were talking about if we were talking about an organization that gives its fighters a career and not an opportunity, I would say they would have to pay for her to sit out. That is what you do with somebody whose career you're invested in. But come on, Zeus. Zeus, Zeus, <laughs> Zeus. I'm gonna I'm call on, him that when we when I tweet him. Be like, yo, Zeus. <laughs> Come on, Zeus. We all know what the narrative is now. If the UFC can avoid spending it, they will avoid paying for it. So, yes, in the normal scheme of things, if these were employees we're talking about, yes, they should have put up the dollars to actually have their asset which you know they should be looking at fighters as to sit out but we know what this is and dana has made no secret of the fact that this is an opportunity not a career yeah and i also think we also need to realize that some fighters are more valuable than others uh let's i'm gonna just keep it real everybody hates me because i do it uh jojo and uh jennifer maya have nothing to offer valentina shashenka when they fight they're mm-hmm. going to lose in the same way that most women that fight valentina lose and we all know this i think the ufc knows this and when you have contenders that are just you already know they're not going to be competitive fights people don't want to pay for that so yeah. the, the ufc is not going to pay for a woman that is being fed to Valentina Shashenko. <laughs> so if she was some new up and coming just out of nowhere in that division could actually give Valentina a run for her money, they might have paid her to sit out. But it's JoJo, someone that we all know that was going to lose to, to yeah. Valentina. And and I yeah. mean that, again, I just speak frankly, I'm not being a dick. We, we all know it. We all talk about it. And we are also saying it with, with Jennifer Maya. And here's the thing about Jennifer Maya. I'm so proud of her. She's, she's from a victim. She has a long fight career people don't know about. And she's finally getting her shot. So mm. I'm really happy for her. But I, I don't anticipate, like, some type of um, upset at all with neither one of them. So they're not going to – Juice, they're not paying them to sit out. You know, we love JoJo. I don't know if the USC loves her numbers. So that, that's how I see it. Mike, I have a question for you. Yeah, go for it. Did you hear about Jessica Andrade could possibly making her, what is it, flyweight debut against, wait for it, Jessica I in October? Wow. Now, no, this is breaking news. This is breaking news. Uh, Well, okay. Let me rewind. To me, this is breaking news. I mean, you're talking to somebody, as I say, who's been slaving away over the barbecue for the last uh, (laughs) few hours. When did this news drop? It was actually a few days ago. So unless you've been barbecuing (laughs) nonstop. Wow. um, Yeah. I mean... To all the listeners, we do have a life outside of MMA. It's kind of hard to keep up with everything. I miss them that um, one of the fighters missed Wade Martinez. You know, like, we do miss stuff even though we're knowledgeable. So I ain't mad at you, Mike. We, you know, we got shit going on. But, yes, they did break that. And I don't want to start any rumors. They are, you know, when they announced that they're trying to put something together. But Mm. um, I did a little research, did some reading, and Andrade just has never fought in flyweight in the UFC, but she has in her previous career when she was fighting before 
before the UFC. So we might be thinking, oh, this is a new weight class for her and this could be an issue because we never know how people are in a weight class quite as kept. She has experience as a flyweight, just not in the UFC. And they're putting her up against Jessica I if they agree to this bout. I'm kind of excited, but I'm also really nervous. I think Andrade is too much for Jessica I. I don't know. What do you I, think? I, I, I would agree with you. And not only that, you've set my mind at ease when you say that Andrade has had previous experience at flyweight. Yep, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. I, be- I, I'd, I'd watch that. Because happily. when I heard UFC flyweight debut, I'm always like... Uh, hesitant to pick somebody when they go up or down a weight class because we've just never seen them in that weight class and it's always a sign that it's not working out in your in your weight class too it's like either you want to be double champ or you're not doing well in your in your natural weight class so you're going to try your hand someplace else and I think that's what's going on with Jessica with that loss that she just took against Rose even though she fought beautifully but she still lost so now she's going to try flyweight and she's done it before so I feel a bit more comfortable knowing that she's done it before. We just haven't seen it. So I hope they agree and I want to see it, but I'm very nervous for Jessica. I just don't think she's like top notch, but she's really good. I just don't think she's on Andrade's level. No. Well, put it put it this way. I, I'm I'm in. I'd yeah. love to see it. I'm going to keep my eyes closely on that. I don't that. care. I yeah. want to see it. <laughs> I'm going to keep my, you know, like they, like it's floating around, Mike. So I'll definitely, if they confirm it or anything, I'll hit you up. But, yeah, we're going to keep our fingers crossed until we hear that. That'd be a nice uh, addition to that weight class and something new. Mm. Last but by any means, Lisa, have we got one more just to sign out with? Uh, let me see. Let me, um, I clicked out of that page. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Bear with me. One more, one more second. We had a few this week, didn't we? It's nice. Uh, like I say, th- this is an element which you brought to the table. I love it. I really, really do like, you know, um, answering, you know, listener questions. And I like the fact that, you know, there's the interactive uh, aspect, aspect to it. Right? And if anybody, any anybody who's actually listening, not only can you take part in the, um, well, the discussion leading up to the show, but, you know, the discussion continues online as well so you can find me at mike woe tv if you wanted to converse all things mma that we've discussed on the show and g where can people find you i'm at g spot mma <laughs> <laughs> i swear you do that deliberately now i do and that's how you get people to you know get in my mentions and fight with me or just <laughs> at least to be intrigued by my page that you know <laughs> but um listen okay, I think final, I I think I the question. I think I got one but he didn't really ask a question so I'll ask a question from his thought process and this is from mm. in cage fighting and what he's saying is I don't get why people enjoy seeing hype trains lose if it's overbearing a la Sh- um Shemaev or Rebus, I couldn't understand, but Edmund's mm. hype was more excitement for a young fighter rather than future champ slash face of the company and I think what he's trying to say Mike is What's the deal with um, MMA fans really getting into derailing hype hype trains? Do you think MMA fans are fixated with that and are kind of haters and, and want to see a hype train derailed? Put it this way. Um, there are always those detractors who don't think people who are being hyped, looked up to and talked about are as hot as people say they are so they will always be waiting for looking for and um praying for people's downfall plus 
MMA has an element for me um, looking at how people actually interact with the sport it's got an element of schadenfreude and that is you know there are always people who are looking for the downfall of you know fighters whether it be you know hype trains or just whether it be you know um, fighters in, in general now I think you know I totally agree there is this element of wanting or waiting expecting you know um, those who've been lauded to fail because there aren't that many people um, who are joining bandwagons um, because you know there aren't that many people especially you know when you look at Shabazian who were you know that convinced that you know he was nothing more than something and uh, an expectation that the UFC or an expectation the UFC would like to see succeed because they are hungrily looking for stars. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, Mike, that like, I think it's natural for fans, especially in all sports, not just MMA. We all like to see the downfall of, of somebody or a team or like, you know, there's being a sports fan, you have to be somewhat of a hater. Every, we all have it in each other. We all don't like a fighter for whatever reason. And when they lose, we're kind of like, good, you know? So I think see, that's like... I, 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 I hear where you're coming from, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in that wheelhouse. I really am. I, I, I hear where you're coming from, but it rankles me when I see that in all honesty. I know we're going off at a tangent, right. but it, it does, it, it, that bothers me. It's like... What bothers you? What do you mean? Win? Well, can't, can't you can't you love can't you love to see people win and uh, be supportive? No, I think it go I think it goes both ways. That's my point. I think as a fight fan, you have it's like you have the the devil on your shoulder, then you have also God on you know like heaven on your left shoulder. That's how I feel as yeah. a fight fan. There are times when I just want someone to lose. I don't like them. I don't like their fighting style, or I like wow. the person that they're facing their opponent a bit more. So of course mm. I want that. If I when I watched Masvidal versus Ben Askren, you think I picked Ben Askren? You think I wanted Ben Askren to win? So when, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, so you see, like, I think it's natural when you pick a f- person to win for whatever reasons, and when that person runs across a cage and puts their knee in that person's face, you get up screaming. That is called a sports fan. So I think it's, like, okay for, for hype trains to be derailed, and people also like to be right. I know I do. You know, yeah. so I think um, Cajun fighting, this is all natural and you're just your heart is in a good place because you can separate hype trains from like legitimate, con- you know, legitimate prospects like um, Edmund. I don't really think Edmund was on a hype train. I think he was just really good. He had a le- he was 11 and oh, this wasn't like Johnny Walker, who we saw twice. And then he was just <laughs> beating everyone in the first round. He was a hype train to me. Uh, Edmund deserved the star status he got. He's undefeated. You know, so I didn't really see him as a hype train. Mm. I just thought he was really good and being promoted by the UFC heavily. But I think in cage fighting just has like his heart's in a good place. He's like, come on, guys, the the kid's good. He he got his first loss. Relax, you know. And I get that too. <laughs> okay, well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Until the midweek edition of the Wokas. Until then, make some trouble. Always later, my friend.